Hey everybody, welcome back to the Three Cast. I'm your host Matthew Weber. I'm joined by Vincent Hui. What's up? How you doing, Vince? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. New Year's been just same old, same old. I can't believe it's already the end of January, man. So it's been a while. But I, yeah, it has, and time has gone really fast. And I think we've all been thoroughly disappointed in 2021 so far. But what are you gonna do? Well, I was going to say there's some really good stuff today's topic and uh, just to catch up on the current day events. I think it's actually fairly poignant that we're talking about this particular movie today. Yeah, it's uh, this movie is definitely a um, very relevant <laughs> in the last uh, probably the last year or so. Really. I'd say the last three weeks. Just, I'm just putting it out there. The last three weeks, man. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, all right. So. This is a three cast. We review things, usually movies, sometimes TV shows. Every once in a while, I'll do a comic book. Uh, and this week, it was my choice. I chose V for Vendetta. Now, this movie came out in like what? Two thousand ten years ago or something like that. Right, we're gonna have to look because it's it's. I weird. don't know. You could tell it was old because I honestly remember watching it with uh, a little buddy of mine, and he's like graduate university. So um, yeah, it's 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 a long time ago. Yeah, two thousand six. Okay, so it's been a long time, man. It's, That's it's a, been long, a while. long time. It's like the wow. guy who, uh, the um, John Hurt, he died a couple years ago. So yep, yep. Um, so he, it, it's been, it's like it's been, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, so if you've never watched this movie, first of all, you should go watch this movie. It's based on a uh, a graphic novel by. All right, Vince, who is it by? Alan Moore. Alan Moore, the same guy that brought you Three Hundred. Uh, uh, Sandman and um, I think From Hell, like uh, th- those were some of the the the, the movie, sorry, the made to movie, but also uh, the original graphic novels. So he's he's a fairly prolific guy. Uh, did a lot of stuff for the DC sub universe, like the alternate universe and stuff, and uh, very won a lot of uh, awards actually. And the funny thing is about this, um, if I recall, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you do you know the story behind that? Um, I think this is coming off of the heels of, like, you got to remember, this is way back. See, this is why I remember it so old, because I remember when they first started talking about making, oh, you know, superhero movies were kind of still new. And I remember stuff like uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, because that was another one where it's like, I think it was Alan Moore property as well, where basically he's taking like, uh, you know, the, 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 the Invisible Man and like uh, the, 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 I don't know, uh, Captain Nemo from the, the, all these different fictions. And he's putting them together to make a super team, right? Uh, so that was one thing. And uh, uh, he, he had that, and it was a big flop. Like Sean Connery, God rest his soul, uh, he was in that as well, and it was like a flop. And then I think it was also coming off the heels of, um, I think it was Johnny Depp was the guy in the From Hell, like the Jack the Ripper movie. So these all were like kind of bomb-ish movies. Like they had good star power, but they just died. So like, you know, I think Alan Moore was a little bit, yeah, you guys are kind of, like poison to my IP, so I think kind of got burnt by Hollywood. Yeah, and and to be fair, I think um, because I, I remember like I remember reading these in in the lo- back. I remember I, Ricky and I are guys that read comics, like legit paper pulp comics. So I remember reading this, and this was pretty salacious, not salacious, but pretty provocative stuff from when I was a kid. Um, and it was talking about like you know you didn't really find all those many things about like it's in some dc comics to be fair they did but like you know it's talking about sex it was talking about suppression sexuality 
um, you know, not just simply, uh, you know, at that point in time, Nazism and Judaism and like the, the Jewish, uh, you know, the, the stuff in the World War II Holocaust, that was a lot of like hype, like not hype, but a lot, it was done, trended a lot, like the mouse comics and stuff. So what you see is that in this one, it was like, oh man, um, you know, uh, brown people or Muslims and stuff like that. And it's like, it was a different type of like uh, prejudice, which back in the 80s, we really didn't have all that much of, right? Well, at least, you know, not acknowledged, right? It wasn't in the... You yeah. Know, the, the yeah, exactly. Hollywood sphere, because that kind of stuff goes through, like, I mean, you don't want to call it fads, but it's kind of like goes through its periods. They go away for, they they cover it for a while and then it goes away and stuff, and, and it's always something a little bit different. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. so if you haven't w- watched the movie, the movie itself is about a uh, like a post, uh, I don't know, post. I don't want to call it like post-apocalyptic because it's not well, really Well, it kind post- of is because there's a pandemic that kind of wipes out a lot of the world's population, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that would be a, uh, would be a good – I mean we, we, we call it relevant because, it, I mean, it, this pretty much has <laughs> a lot of stuff that's going on today. It has exactly. the virus. It has the, the uh, political unrest. It has fascism the, on the yeah, rise. Yeah, the, um, you know, the, the, the military kind of questioning whether or not it lets people – in uh, hordes of un, un, unwashed mobs come and in, invade uh, and destroy federal buildings. I'm just saying, um, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like there's a lot of stuff that's really poignant in this movie that uh, is kind of relevant today. Yeah, it's it, it's really quite crazy. So um, I don't I don't know that I mean the I guess the real summary of it is that the there, there's a, a mass terrorist or whatever named V. Uh, I mean they call him a terrorist, right? And uh, He's a victim of the current regime, but we don't really know that at the beginning. We just know that he's some guy who's set on like a vigilante. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's dressed as Guy Fox, right? It's the guy mm-hmm. who tried to blow up Parliament back in the like the what, 1600s? Something yeah, like that? 1600s. It's like 400 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so it was quite a while. It was obviously quite a while ago. Um, and so he's taking up this persona, and he's very obviously well spoken, and he and we come up to find that you know he's. He's been fighting this own his own little war against the the regime in Britain for you know for 20 years or something. Yeah. And, and his his he he starts his his he he comes out by blowing up the old Bailey, which is like the the main court building in mm-hmm. Britain, I think. Um, I don't know anything about you know, buildings in Britain, obviously. <laughs> um, except for like the main one that he blows up at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so. Uh, and then he he spends like a whole year like getting people to follow his cause, mm-hmm. and everybody comes to, par- to parliament at the end, and he blows it up after he you know he kills the the, the bad guy. Um, so or, so I think there's a lot of stuff that happened in the middle there, but yeah, um, yeah I, like, that's I, a you, to, Vince, you know I'm horrible horrible at summaries. <laughs> well, I know, but I I mean there's so many things to be unpeeled that i mean to give a summary is effectively going to be like a 10 minute thing but like there's a lot to be said about like the orwellian kind of dystopian future uh that's portrayed there and there's of course it's the one man versus the entire uh kind of system that that is really a fascist regime but the the interesting thing is right off the beginning they start talking about like it's not a man it's an idea right the Mm -hmm. revolutionary idea and that's the reason why the guy fox mask uh is such a poignant theme in the actual uh movie like you never see uh, Hugo Weaving, like basically the reason why he got this jo- job was because of Mr. Anderson, uh, like the, the whole Matrix stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the premise is that I think we you know, what's funny. We didn't in any point name 
Evie or, or Natalie Portman's character, which is, I think is the central, is the real protagonist of the movie, right? So uh, despite the fact that we've been talking about V, who's been kind of the hero or the anti-hero of the movie, uh, the, the real person that we follow through is, of course, this character named Evie, who basically is saved by uh, V at the beginning. Um, and over the course of the uh, the plot, we, we discover that you know, she, she's on some level a pawn in the system where she's working for the broadcasting network, which is effectively a fascist, um, you know, media uh, you know, mouthpiece, right? Yeah. And and basically uh, what emerges is that she is kind of, we, we follow her trajectory, not only in understanding the kind of driving force behind V, and essentially the, the insinuation is that V was like a science experiment that that was like made into Superman, but basically kind of went rogue and all that stuff. So, but mm-hmm. but in behind that, <clears throat> we know that this regime is very corrupt. It's caused like a boss. It's essentially insinuated that they also planted the false flag kind of things, where they kind of killed their own population to kind of get the uh, population to vote for them and give them power to just do all these right wing things. But then at the same time, we see like it's not just a perfect relationship. Like you think that that's a nice kind of like storybook, like, you know, rah, 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 fight, fight against the regime. Quite the contrary. We actually see that there's a kind of uh, there's this potential to be complacent about it. And um, we see that Evie then mysteriously in, in one of the raids uh, with one of her uh, homosexual employer, uh, she, she basically uh, they beat down the homosexual employer. And of course, she gets kind of. Uh, we, we understand it to be that she gets abducted and in prison, and then basically they're asking, "Hey, can you tell us where V is, or tell us what who he is?" And she has, she, she refuses to to concede. And eventually, uh, you know, her hair gets cut. She she kind of reads like the the kind of uh, testimonials of past uh, uh, kind of people imprisoned. It, it turns out that V was the actual one that uh, imprisoned her, and mm-hmm. it was just to basically say, like, "Look, man, um, you, you, there's a tipping point, and and you know, you you kind of broke through." And at that point, you know, she's, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but she, 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 she's drinking the Kool-Aid. And we're cool with this because then the, the movie just really goes on a steamroll and it just says, okay, everyone just bought into it. And uh, there's this convoluted plot about sending a train to the House of Parliament. I didn't even know that the train could actually go <laughs> towards, like, I, did you know that this is possible? I, like, I'm, I'm an architecture prof. And I was like, wait, they, they could the Parliament's like right next to a river. I'm not quite sure how there's an underground train, but it's possible because I mean there's subways, but some... yeah, but I mean it's like I mean just, I, I think in general, maybe maybe that is the case, but I mean North America we traditionally don't put subway stations perfectly under like big civic buildings like that. That that's a strange. In any event, um, especially the the, the, the where, where the actual subway well, yeah. proper is. I mean you can have usually they station. follow the roads, right? I mean. Yeah, exactly. So they're under the public thoroughfares, but they're not really like directly under the building, which is the kind of implication because then the fireworks and the pyromaniac, oh, sorry, the, py- the pyrotechnics at the end, uh, you know, obviously uh, V kind of defends and it's like a big solo action figure, uh, action fight towards the end. He dies, uh, you know, a, a noble death. And it's not until the investigator, who, like, again, a sub character who's been kind of, again, the, the kind of witness to see what's going on and unraveling the kind of machinations of this regime. He eventually confronts Evie and says, hey, look, I'm a detective and I'm, I'm going to bust you. And uh, she basically says, no, not really. And uh, he lets her uh, send the train with the explosives and the body of V to the House Department. It explodes. And uh, at the same time, uh, the House Department has been protected by the military. But then, of course, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the government, oh, sorry, the, the military just basically says, uh, stand down. And all of this horde of uh, this mob, essentially, 
uh, just kinds of descends into uh, you know the the, the actual house apartment. So yeah, all like standing right next to the building that's about to blow up. Yeah, which never really makes sense because at the end you just see like you know they're watching the building blow up and the pyros and and of course yes they they have the nice warming scene where all the people that got do- that got killed or like were killed under the regime you see them reveal their mask because again the message is that V is not a person V is an idea right, right. and and that's why it ends on that note. But I was thinking. There are a lot of people running towards a blowing up building. So it, it just didn't quite, uh, you know, I get the symbolism and stuff, but it's just like kind of strange. So can we talk about just like the immediate thing, which is, you know, when this movie came out, I'm not sure where if you remember. Did you watch this in the theaters, man? You were probably too young for this. <laughs> well, no, but I, I probably saw it not too long after. I probably watched it the first time probably around 2008, I'd say. OK, OK. So the thing about this movie is that it was making a big deal because of a couple of things. I remember uh, in, in America, in America, there was a lot of heated discussion about just like um, terrorism. Right? I mean, we're still hot off the, believe it or not, several years still after September 11th. But you remember uh, America went to war and basically started uh, mistreating a lot of uh, prisoners. And, you know, the, the kind of how, what is the line right, that you use to to treat prisons of war or how do you get stuff like if you knew that there was a terrorist that knew the next uh destination for a plot for destruction well, what right like will you go to to kind of get that information right so yeah, it wasn't even case, it wasn't even all that it was i mean it, it wasn't only that it was also how much freedom were you willing to give concede. up in order to yeah. have safety right yeah and 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 what you see here is like um you know v despite being like the kind of anti-hero who protects and everything he like you know there are points in the movie where it, it's funny because he's very honest he'll be like he, he says like i think the points were in the movie was like are you going to kill any more people and, and he's like yeah <laughs> like yeah because that's yeah. just the nature of like he's like like you know you know very well that you know whether or not he's deranged uh well, i think it's clear that he is deranged but the, the fact of the matter is that it's a very good proxy of like the discussions that were ha- being had in america i would say the world i'd say um, on what is the kind of level of torture, what is the kind of willingness to kind of sell your freedom to get that safety? Because uh, we see in this movie that it's very clear that, you know, the, the fascist regime is something that you should rally against, right? Like the whole point of V fighting for this stuff is so that people can have their freedom. People don't have to worry about being homosexual or or of a certain skin color or whatever, right? Um but uh, the way it's portrayed and in the light of today, though, right, like you can't help but deny the fact that, you know, we talk about liberator or, 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 or terrorist, right? Like, you know, what's the difference, really? It depends on the perspective, right? Um, so in, in this case, when you saw, uh, I'm not sure when you watched this last, I watched it from, uh, a few days ago. But when we're talking about the kind of mob attacking the, the kind of parliament, I mean, you and I both know that it's a little bit closer to the pol- politics of what's what's happening now, right? Um, yeah. So I was just wondering what your perspective was, because, I mean, I, I got a couple of things to say about what's going on now and what's going on in that movie. Uh, it's unfortunate to say that, like, you know, 15, 16 years later, I mean, it's, nothing's really changed. But what, what's your call on this, man? Well, I, it's it's I probably watched this movie maybe 10, 12 times. I mean, I've watched it quite a lot over mm-hmm. the years. Um, it's, and it's just one of those one, movies where every once in a while you want to watch a, a comic book movie that's not, you know, I mean, this yeah. movie really doesn't go all comic book there until the end. Right? There's no colors, man. There's no color in this, in this entire uh, Right. And there's no like, uh, I mean, the, the explosions or whatever are all Michael Bay, but the, the fight scenes, at least at the beginning, are, you know, just regular old like fight scenes. It's not until you get to the end 
where he, you know, you have the the crazy slow motion and stuff, and it gets a little comic booky. But mm-hmm. um, there's just so many different uh, uh, threads in this movie that kind of uh, have shown up not only throughout you know history, but I mean very recent, like the uh, the idea of um, protesting and uh, also people just sitting by and you know, I mean. One of the big things you get in this movie is that apparently nobody in this movie has a job. I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. all sitting at home or in a bar TV. or something watching TV yeah. all the time. That's where you see everybody, and they all seem very complacent about what's going on, right? Um, and well, then, I think the reason why is because the skew is that A, uh, the main – like Evie is working for media. The whole premise of like the media arm of that party – uh, basically planted the false flag and they were the echelon that moved up. So, and then to also make sure that the general public was aware of this kind of artifice that I think the whole thing had to pertain to media, right? Well, it, the way I took it was that the only people you actually see doing stuff are the people who are part of the the regime or whatever. Everybody else is just kind of, they don't do so. They don't do so much. They just sit in that black room and they're just like complaining. It's like, if you do this, I'll fire you. Like that kind of thing. It's like, I, I thought that was very uh, like, what do you do? Like, you know, they just meet every day. It's like, it's like Zoom meetings. Like, I, like this. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. many things are going on today where I'm like, that's a Zoom meeting. I like, there's a point when I can imagine being that big face of that dictator <laughs> despot going, guys, we got to do this or someone's gonna get failed in this course or something. Like, I, it's just kind of funny because it's like. Yeah, that's just like Zoom. Like, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, that, that invasion of Parliament, that's just like what happened three weeks ago on the uh, Capitol. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many things that are just like, my God, this is like too close. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the virus. You have the uh, the, the experimentation on humans and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, that stuff has been going on since the, you know, since the CIA was basically mm-hmm. invented the, the, the 40s. Using um, a method of commuting to basically serve as a human mobilized weaponized bomb, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. to destroy buildings, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, just so many little things like that. And there's, and that's before you get into the whole, you know, the, the homosexual stuff, the, the 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 Muslims and everybody getting getting put in black bags and mm-hmm. so the torture and stuff. I mean, there's just so many threads in this movie that you know, kind of, uh, not have have exact corollaries in the real world, but definitely things yeah. that. Are, Teasing hints, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely things that are much closer than what we'd probably really want them to be, you know. Um, so, but, and and we could talk more about that, but I just want to say this before I forget. Uh, John Hurt is amazing in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. all we see really is a video of him, right? I mean, like he's mm-hmm. he's the big screen uh, villain, Ace, the high yeah. Chandler, but he does he does just a such a good job of shouting at people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just, um, I mean, there's some fairly poor acting in this too the 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 detective order um well i don't know i think natalie portman does not keep her accent all the way through and she also like there are points when you're just like like she'll just be i don't want to do that or like something like that and, yeah, like, and she's not did, did you say she's that not like, a very, very good crier either a fake, fake crier some of the some of the crying came off as um very yeah. uh over the top but uh, John Hurt was amazing. Hugo Weaving's voice was amazing. Well, I mean, I don't. Yeah, and like, let's be honest here. It's not like you know what the funny thing is because you can tell that the whole thing had to be dubbed because if he was really behind the mask, we all again wearing a mask. Um, if you knew right. that he was talking behind the mask, you'd be like, what? He said again, right? Because there's a point in the beginning when he starts, you know, just doing that kind of every single word is a V word, like that kind of alliteration. He's like, 
you know, the vivaciousness of the vor- vor- Oh, know, yeah, that was definitely studio. done in a in a studio. Definitely. Yeah, but then the like the thing is it's so clear that, you know, it, it, the 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 quality of some of the acting was really good. I, and like I'll be honest with you, like even when um again, I, I don't want to give him too much credit, but like the fact is that he's wearing a mask and there are instances where you can tell he's angry, instances where you can tell he's actually affectionate and it's still behind the mask. Like, remember when they're watching the Count of Monte Cristo on the couch and you see you could just like he tilts his head when he's like watching the ending and he, she tilts like it's just I, I thought those little subtle things were like, again, little nuanced things of acting that I, I don't think people give credit to. It's very well done. Um, and it, it's it's not the type of I mean. I we can, I think we can be honest about this Vince. We don't see this type of good acting very often uh in, in movies that are action movies. You know, mm-hmm. I mean you usually a lot of the times the when you see very well done emotional, you know, um, you know, acting it's it's in movies that are meant to be, you know, emotional Thought and that's or something, yeah. Yeah, I mean this this at its heart is supposed to be an action movie. I mean I mean, yeah, there are explosions and there's fight scenes and stuff. I mean, it has all this other stuff, too. I mean, it has the the the, the token romance between, you know, uh, Evie and V and it has, mm-hmm. the, you know, all this other stuff. But I mean, it's a, it's an action movie. But, you know, in a lot I mean, in most action movies, especially these days, I mean, it's an action movie. You're not mm-hmm. expecting over the time. I mean, most of the time it's it's fast and furious stuff. You yeah, know what I mean. Well, I still stand by our way, way, way earlier discussion, I don't know, about a decade ago, where it's like, are there any good actors? Like, I mean, like, like let's be honest with you, we always talked about it, it's like, so we, we can, we, I think we talked to us like, yeah, before the whole sex standards sca- scandal and stuff, I you know, I know we talked about like, yeah, Kevin Spacey's not a bad actor. And then we were like, Denzel Washington, very good actor, right? And then it was like, okay, okay, fine, we've got some good actors. Can we name any good actresses? And it was like, all of us were like, hmm? Oh. Meryl Streep, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's about it, man. So, um, yeah, but just coming back to this movie, though. That was a I, long time ago. Well, I, I do want to say that the movie is dark, and um, I'm not sure if the film that they used was just kind of low budget. It's weird, because this came after. Like, I remember, it was 2001 is when The Matrix moved, or 1998 is when the movie, yeah, I think 1998 or 1999 was when Matrix came out, right? And I remember the crispness and just like, sure, the visual stunning stuff was good, but like, this is made by the same dudes. Sorry, it's made by the Wachowskis, right? Mm -hmm. So I just thought it was kind of strange where it's like, did they just make this in the 80s and then dust it off? Because like, there's points in the movie, and maybe it's because it's like the British thing, but it looked like the 1980s. And, and I just couldn't, like, I was like, what makes the 80s? Because like, they got fluorescent lights, they got white, like, I mean, everything is like kind of, you know, timeless, right? Well, I but think the not, reason I think the reason why they shot it like that was because they were trying to give the impression that technological advancement hadn't really sped up because of all the things that went on in the world. So I mean, like you see, like really fairly old monitors and stuff on the on the, on the, the for the computers and stuff. But and you also see like um, uh, yeah, you know, like the the flickering lights and where they like they go like the to the tax center or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tax records is is very fluorescent, you know, lighting. I, I think that they did that on purpose to kind of show that um, because of everything that I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but they were they were the technological advancement didn't keep going because the rest of the world, you know, went to hell. I mean, mm-hmm. apparently, apparently in this, the United States is that civil war and there is a, you know, the the Prothero guy calls it a, a leper, leper colony, which is, you know, mm-hmm. you know whatever. Um, and. and I think I think it's I don't know if it's ever said, but it's kind of insinuated that it's because the virus spread outside of 
Britain. That's the reason why they're yep. – because they're still technically in quarantine in like London or whatever. Yeah. Like the whole city's in quarantine. You can't – not supposed to leave it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, again, it's, it's just kind of funny scenarios that are eerily similar where it's like, okay, there's a false false flag situation where, you know, where did this virus come from, right? Like, I mean, it's it, – it, you know, if you talk to the current media about the coronavirus, it's like it, it came from China. But then there's like, oh, no, it could have come from somewhere else or it could have been made in a, in a kind of weapons factory or something like well, some wait. strange stuff. Right. Right. Both sides. I mean, something like Trump obviously notoriously called it the China virus. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now that we have all these new strains or whatever, I mean, now we have the South African variant and the, mm-hmm. the UK variant. Yep. Like, we're always put uh, it's the way of saying, well, you want to know what it came from over there. We can blame those people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the movie, I think that this movie though was really um, kind of poignant, and I I just wanted to say that, as you were saying, it is unlike a lot of other um, movies, uh, superhero movies. I mean, the only other one that I can think of that's kind of got this grit to it isn't even like the Batman stuff, because even the Batman stuff, like I mean, Batman still kind of comes out on top, right? Um, I, I was thinking of the um, the Watchmen movie, which again another Alan Moore property, right? A bleak kind of perspective on the superhero uh, genre, and um, it had more adult content, like uh, you know. And and I, I just think that uh, what's really good about Alan Moore now, of course, I haven't watched The Boys. Like I know everyone talks about that that Netflix or the Amazon series. I can't remember. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch it, but they were talking about how that's kind of like, you know, if, if superheroes were bad. Um, in, in this case, I just feel that this is more of like in the world where things are bad. Uh, what do superheroes really do? What would they really be believing? Like the, like the, the whole Boy Scout of Superman kind of model is not going to work. Um, and in this case, you know, in, in a kind of fascist regime, you're not going to have a Superman that's going to help things. I mean, you're going to resort to a Batman and even at a Batman level. Uh, he does have the line of I don't kill, whereas, you know, this this V is clearly uh, a deranged uh, serial killer, but he just happens to be doing it. Like The other thing about this was, do you really believe that V is a good person at heart? Well, no, I don't think I mean, even says in they even said in the movie, there's a there's a line that says uh, he says um, what they did to me was monstrous. And um, and Evie says and they created a monster, you know, it's, it's a it's a very good line. I mean, I think yeah. it's very much like that. He he lo- he lost everything. So I mean, they even took like he didn't even know who like he was tortured so much they didn't even know who he he didn't even know really? who he was. Yeah. Like he doesn't doesn't know his real name or anything. So but he's definitely lost. So I have some questions about this because he you know I'm watching this again. I was just like okay, so this is all about a very selfish individual who takes power into his own hands and unmasks it as a kind of movement. But at the end of the day, look at it. He really is just kind of fetishizing the torture of someone to get them to love or eventually to to kind of, you know, help, you know, whether what you want to call it like, um, you know, this kind of uh, Stockholm syndrome or whatever. But like basically, you know, she falls in love with him because he tortures her, which is kind of weird. And then like the whole premise of the movie is that he's just trying to get back at the regime that made him who he is. Right. It's not like I mean, un, it is under the voice that oh yeah, I'm looking out for society and society's under uh, you know under weak governance and all stuff. But let's be honest here, if it were really about this guy that was benevolent and trying to help out, they wouldn't call the movie V for Vendetta, right? Because it's it's just about this individual's kind of desire for vengeance, and it's not so subtly referred to when of course they're watching the Count of Monte Cristo, Monte Cristo which is yeah. totally just about revenge, right? 
So yeah. I, I, that's why I kept on thinking, like, you know, everyone watches this movie and says, yeah, the guy's a good guy, even though he's kind of crazy. And yeah, you got to break a couple of eggs to make an omelet kind of thing where he kills people. But the reality is that this guy's a complete psychopath who doesn't really care about people. Uh, and he just uses people and death to, though the message is kind of loud and clear, he's really just trying to get revenge. Right? Well, he's trying to get he's trying to get revenge, and he has and I, I think he, I don't know if I would go psychopath more that he wants he wanted uh, Evie to be like him, right? He wanted mm-hmm. her because she's she's really because she obviously did, suffered a lot in this movie before mm-hmm. he went through and tortured her. I mean, he lost she he lost her, parents, she lost her parents and her brother and all this stuff because of the regime. But she mm-hmm. was she's like the the. She's a victim who didn't become bitter. She she was actually working for the regime, really. Yep. I mean, she yep. didn't go through. She didn't go through. She wasn't a protester. She she wasn't creating any problems. She was just a regular citizen like everybody else that seemed to be just going along with it. Um, and then V comes along, and I think he sees this, and you, you know says, you know, that could have been me, but I became you know bitter and vengeful and stuff like that. So he. Instead of you know reforming to be a better person, he decided, well, I'm going to make her more like me. You know, yeah, so. yeah, no, I, I I can see that, and I mean just just to kind of flesh it out again with with not so fine a point, the fact is, you remember that when after they watched the Count of Monte Cristo, do you know what? Remember what Evie says? She actually turns to like he's like, oh, what do you like about the movie? And she says, I feel sorry for Mercedes because I, I I want to paraphrase here, but she says, I feel sorry for Mercedes because it seemed like the Count, like the, the Count of Monte Cristo, was more focused on revenge than her, right? Than loving yeah. her. We loved revenge more than we loved her, right? Or something to that effect, right? And I thought that was really like so on the nose because even though it was like a kind of date night kind of scenario that was happening in front of us, uh, the bottom line is that it just reinforced to me that this guy is not a good guy, despite everything that might, you know, be presented, that he's like saving her, that he's kind of fighting the bad regime. Just because you're fighting the bad regime doesn't make you a good guy, right? Like Stalin fought Hitler. I mean, that doesn't make Stalin's regime good, right? Right. When, and then when Stalin killed actually more people, right? I mean, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, that's the thing that I, I think sometimes people didn't quite pick up on in that particular, in this particular movie, because. To me, I was like, I'm watching a real tragic condition emerge at the end of the movie. Like, you're just like, so A, the, 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 the guy that we thought might have been the protagonist, he's dead. Evie, we don't really have an idea because is she or isn't she kind of damaged because of him? The governance and the order that would have kind of been there to at least an authority to kind of allow for society to continue no longer really exists. The mob has kind of taken over. Um, what at the end of the day has actually happened? We've kind of taken two steps back. So it's now mob rule. Like. That, that's the reason why the ending was just like, oh, I don't know, man. Like people are like all happy to see stuff blow up, but it's like, look at tomorrow. That's not going to be cool, man. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely one of those endings that you definitely like. It's a head scratcher because you're not sure. I mean, there's, I, I think, I personally think that the ending is probably the worst part of the movie, um, for, for multiple reasons. From from a, a cinematic story kind of perspective, the fight scene between V and uh, Creedy's henchmen and all that stuff is <laughs> just. Oh, it, it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Cause yeah. the, the rest of the movie is, you know, the fight scenes just are regular fight scenes. And, you know, the, the I mean, the blowing up the stuff that's Michael Bay stuff. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden we get to this part and, you know, we're in slow motion and we have special effects around the knives and stuff. But that's, you know, beside the point. But you, you make a good point it, 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 is that there's no, I mean, 
what what the ending that is portrayed is supposed to be this um resolution of yay we blew up the building we're all here we're all united against now i mean before we were united against whatever the chancellor said we were united <laughs> against which is the rest of the world uh and now we're united against the chancellor who's now dead and um it doesn't really give a sense of uh, what's next. And because, you know, I mean, just because you've gotten rid of the bad leaders doesn't mean you don't need leaders themselves. Right. So, yeah. Like, I mean, I look at like what happened after. I know it sounds terrible. It's like between you and I just like kind of armchair history buffs. But like, I mean, look at look when Hitler's like the Third Reich collapsed. Right. Like like it's you had a whole bunch of people who for love or hate it. Like they really did subscribe to the Nazi regime. Right. And then you need if you just left the regime, if you left the regime or the remnants of whatever the population was un, un, uncontrolled, you'd have chaos. So, you know, the 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 fact that the Americans and the Russians kind of took, you know, Berlin into two pieces mm-hmm. really does speak to the two different ways. Like, you know, they needed to have some sort of uh, power vacuum addressed. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, it, it, as much as we might hate the the kind of red iron curtain coming down it, it, i can't imagine like the absolute anarchy that would have emerged had there been no kind of authority and control mm-hmm. yeah uh so vince final thoughts in this movie what did you think what, overall what did you think oh i mean it's it's it, honestly it's a solid seven out of ten for me i mean the, the, there's some dated stuff there's some acting uh, hiccups here and there for me um, you know, the, the thing is with the movie soundtrack, I'm really surprised uh, that there was nothing really memorable. Like, I mean, sure, certainly the 1812 overtures yeah, are always a hit. It was very blah to me. It was it was not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not. Which is a surprise, too, because at that point in time, like the 2000s were a really good peak. Like, I mean, the 90s to the mid to the, the 2010s, that was like from like the John Williams heyday. Like you got everything from like the Jurassic Park series stuff to like mm-hmm. uh, like. You know the Hans Zimmer, the the Lord of the Rings, like uh, you know, uh, the, the, all the all the gold, the, the the Lord of the Rings tracks, like all these soundtracks were burgeoning and coming out, and then like this movie just had like its reliance on Tchaikovsky, which which was yeah okay, but in any event, uh, solid movie. It, it it does have some themes that just unfortunately are uh, recapitulated now, so um, maybe that commentary is going to be just as good 50 years from now. Yeah, it's I think it's one of those movies that's going to kind of hold its. It's going to age perfectly fine. I mean, it's the the technology or whatever will be a little bit weird, but um, I think it's one of those. I mean, and honestly, it's kind of a lot like uh, Count of Monte Cristo because Count of, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Vince, but Count of Monte Cristo has been redone in so many different. I mean, mm-hmm. the basic structure of that story has been redone so many times. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, over and over again, guy gets. I, yeah, he gets uh, scorned and he gets imprisoned unjustly. Yeah. Um, uh, his, some someone clearly betrayed him on the outside. On the inside, he gets some sort of mentor or help. He uh, builds himself up, and then uh, under a separate identity, a masked identity, uh, dare I say, uh, he kind of en- enacts revengeance, right? Yeah, it's basically the. I mean, it's over and over again they've redone this. I mean, I think it's. I, I, and and really, V for Vendetta is just a redone story plotline of that. The guy gets in prison, comes back, and the only thing that this really didn't have was the the betrayal aspect because we don't really know anything about the the main well, character. We don't know I mean, I, okay, so I just want to put up my my like uh, my cookies or my conspiracy theory on this one. 
I would argue that though we don't really get anything explicitly exposed about V, I would say that his past life, he must have been a thespian of some sort, because if he weren't an actor, he wouldn't be practicing the fencing moves. He wouldn't be such a, a movie cinephile for the Count of Monte Cristo. I mean, you could have read the book. He said he watched the movies. The fact that he can uh, recite things with such absolute clarity um it's clear that he's scripted something or that he's able to recite those lines so i'm going to be of the opinion that he used to be an actor uh physically fit right and then he got used to make those experiments and that's why he is what he is so that's my little backstory on v mm. I, I could i could definitely see that because he definitely he's also a very meticulous like planner right so i mean he, he 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 somehow manages to take like hundreds of thousands of masks and send them via the postal service. I mean, okay, so, <laughs> but, so he's a good drop shipper. Okay, so. <laughs> so so I mean he yeah he he has this obviously has a plan right, but he also apparently is subscribes to stamps.com or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. So I would give this probably a four out of five. It's mm-hmm. very very good. Um, it, it probably could tip it over to five out of five if the the soundtrack had been better. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Of those things that, yeah, I'll, I always watch the movie, uh, like, f- first and pay attention to the plot and stuff like that. And then I always go back through and like, think about what do I remember about the sound just behind it, you know? And, yeah. and this one, like, the only thing – you're right, Vince. The only thing you remember is the Atrium 12 o- Overture. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's just right that, – that's like the first five minutes of the movie. And then it's just downhill because it's the ambient stuff, right? Yeah, there, there's I – mean, I mean, not every – Composer can be John Williams. You know, you know, not not everyone can be Hans Zimmer. But I mean, there were so yeah, many. But look, no, but like, look, that, that is look, the thing is at that era, like Hans Zimmer was still hitting his stride. We got the uh, you know Goldsmith, the um, you know all the kind of big name. Yeah, there's uh, so, so many. Corner, I mean, like all those guys, right? Sylvestri, uh, Danny, oh, is Danny Boyle is that his name? Um, uh, the oh, guy who did. Yeah, okay, he's a guy that does like the Olympic games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he did a couple movies too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy, the guy um, who did, he, I think he did one of the Harry Potters as well. The, um, I mean, there's just, there's just so many of them that I mean, even, even the ones that aren't like top tier John Williams kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And, I chances are they might have not been able to afford like John Williams, but they yeah, could have found yeah. somebody other than this guy's name was like Danny DeBlario or. Oh man, that poor guy, man. But that was like the peak heyday of like soundtracks, right? Like, I mean. Let's be honest here. Like right nowadays, we're getting all of these like. Rrr, rrr, well, like every movie that came out like in like like the 2000s, even the ones that were terrible, had good soundtracks, right? So, all right. So, um, that is it for us this time. Coming up next. So, the way the schedule is going is going to be a little weird. So, Ricky is still going to be part of the podcast. We're just kind of uh, splitting things up uh, to get around some weird scheduling stuff. So, the next time will be Ricky and I, and Vince will join us if he can. But, mm-hmm. Um. We're going to be doing Frozen 2 and Cars 2 or something. I'm, I'm, I, I remember Cars. I, are we doing Frozen 2, man? Come on. Okay, I, I'm desperately hoping that that was a typo or something because I don't want to watch it. Cars like, come on, Ricky. Worse. I'd rather watch Frozen 2 again, man. Cars 2. Like, Cars 2 is no, no, man. Can we, we do Frozen 2? <laughs> we know that the sequ- that sequels – Disney sequels – there are no good Disney sequels. I mean, it's just there's no, no, no good Pixar, No, the Toy Story ones. I mean, I keep every time they uh, close it. Like even after Toy Story two, I was like, okay, that's a good ending. And I was like, nope, they keep on coming with new ones. Like when I mean, I'm just, I'm not gonna spoil it, but the last Toy Story movie, I'm wondering they can't do another sequel. Like they really can't do a sequel. But I keep on hearing rumors about it. So I mean, listen, they man, made you never know. Five, they made five Pirates of the Caribbean, Vince. 
Yeah. Okay, but that doesn't really count because I mean that's just one big movie dragged out that making money. Man. <laughs> All right, so they made a second National Treasure event. <laughs> I mean, like every you point out that Toy Story it does a pretty good job of the sequels. I point out every other Disney movie <laughs> that's ever had a sequel because I mean, they're all bad. The second Lion King is bad. The second Aladdin is bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't have Aladdin without Robin Williams, and they did it. They brought it Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah. uh, I, mean, I mean, so uh, it's over. Uh, Ricky, choose a different movie. I'm just trying to say. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyways, that is it for us this time. Uh, you, you can contact us via email at. Uh, the three cast show at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at the three cast i'm at mtwb vince is vwhui ricky who's not here is ricky underscore williams one you can also follow us on uh you, you can subscribe to all of our stuff that you need to subscribe to at the three cast.com so uh we'll be back uh, either next week or the week after with whatever ricky chooses to do and uh we'll see you then take care